WNYC Studios is brought to you by Zbiotics. Seize the day after a night of drinks with Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink. Zbiotics was invented by PhD scientists to break down the byproduct of alcohol, which is most responsible for making you feel crummy the next day. Drink Zbiotics before your first drink, drink responsibly, and you'll wake up refreshed and ready to take on the day. Try it for yourself at zbiotics.com/wnyc and get 15% off your first order when you use WNYC at checkout. That's zbiotics.com/wnyc and use the code WNYC at checkout for 15% off. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, Lulu here. Whether we are romping through science, music, politics, technology, or feelings, we seek to leave you seeing the world anew. Radiolab adventures right on the edge of what we think we know, wherever you get podcasts. You are listening to all of it on WNYC. I'm Allison Stewart. The Oscars are this Sunday, and over the course of the last few months, we've spoken to many of the now nominees in all kinds of categories, from acting to directing to screenwriting to production design to original score. So all this week, we're taking the opportunity to revisit some of those great conversations ahead of the 95th Academy Awards. The film Women Talking is up in two major categories on Sunday, Best Adapted Screenplay for Writer and Director Sarah Pauly, and for the top prize, Best Picture. Sarah Pauly and star Jesse Buckley joined me earlier this year to discuss the film, which has some serious themes, including sexual assault. Now, if this is triggering for you or if you're someone who needs help, the National Sexual Assault Hotline is 1-800-656-4673. Women Talking follows a group of Mennonite women in an isolated religious colony who must decide what to do as they reckon with the fact that the men in their community drug them and sexually assault them at night. No one, not even a four-year-old girl, are safe. safe. The only man they're certain is innocent is August, who has returned after his parents were excommunicated. He's now a teacher and has agreed to take the minutes of a meeting the women call. None of the women can read and write themselves. A group of women gather in a barn and have 24 hours to decide whether to stay and be forced to forgive the men, stay and fight, or leave the only home they've ever known. It's a debate that gets philosophical, contentious, and emotional. Here's one of those moments from the film Women Talking. What if the men who are in prison are not guilty? Mother. Oh, oh, child. Are you asking if they're... shush. We caught one of them. I saw him. But only one. Yes, only one, but he named the others. But what if he was lying? We must consider this. No. No, that is not our responsibility because we aren't in charge of whether or not they are punished. We know that we've been attacked by men, not by ghosts or Satan, as we were led to believe for so long. We know that we've not imagined these attacks that we were made unconscious with cow tranquilizer. We know that we are bruised and infected and pregnant and terrified and insane and some of us are dead. We know that we must protect our children regardless of who is guilty. In that clip, you heard Jessie Buckley, who plays Mara Kay, a combative woman who thinks leaving is preposterous, and Claire Foy as Salome, who wants out and she says she may commit murder if she stays. 
Sarah Polly has already won a Writers Guild of America Award and a Critics' Choice Award for her adapted screenplay, and the film was awarded the Robert Altman Award at the Independent Spirit Awards this weekend. I began my conversation with Jesse Buckley and Oscar nominee Sarah Polly by asking Sarah when she first read the original novel by Miriam Taves. I read it shortly after it came out, um, and it was given it to me by a friend who said, I think I just read what your next film has to be an adaptation of. Um, and I just fell in love with it. I read it in one inhale, I think, like so many people mm -hmm. did, um, and really knew immediately I wanted to make it into a film. Jesse, when did you come to the book or the story? Um, well, I came to the book um, after the script. And um, That's interesting. I, uh, yeah, I, I had never read anything like it. It kind of felt like a kind of foreign prospect to the point where I was like, I have no idea how to even embark on this or who's this brave warrior who's going to undertake this. And then I met Sarah and... Um, uh, watched her documentary, The Stories We Tell, and mm. was sure that if anybody was going to do it, it was going to be her. And, um, yeah. Sarah, the cast is so strong. Claire Foy, Rini Mara, Jesse, Judith Ivey, of course, Frances McDormand, who's a producer on the project. What was the casting process like? It was really long and really intricate because we had to figure out the dynamics and specific chemistries between all of these characters and how they fit together. So it was almost like casting a giant organism and everyone was a tentacle of it. So we really couldn't cast one person until we cast everyone. Um, but it was, it was an amazing experience to be casting this community really. So did you bring all the actors in and and everybody read for different parts or did you have people read sp specific parts how did it work? I think with everyone, we talked with mo about more than one part. Mm -hmm. So I know with Jesse, we talked about a couple of parts, both and also with Rooney and Claire. And it was figuring out where everybody fit and where everybody also gravitated towards and what they wanted to express and who they felt most drawn to or challenged by playing. Jesse, what drew you to Marike? Um, I felt like she was a woman I knew but I didn't completely understand and um, I guess I, I, I felt immediately drawn to her and I felt a lot of love for her and a real kind of um, I guess I wanted to understand where the source of that pain and wound might come from somebody who's internalized so much violence throughout her life and also from a past life, the legacy of violence and an education of violence and how that might um, make somebody very afraid to imagine a place better for herself in the life that she was living. So fear is is what I'm hearing you say that is underlying for Marike. Even though she's tough on the exterior, there's a certain sort of core of fear. Um. Yeah, I guess... I guess there's points in all of this story where we're afraid because ultimately we're having to find courage within ourselves and within a community and within a, in, within a new language, which all these women are creating for themselves to step into an unknown. Mm. Like none of these women have ever seen a map. They've never left the bounds of what they of where they've grown up and what they've always understood about themselves and each other. So really it takes so much courage to be able to imagine what, to imagine and allow yourself to leave the place that you've always lived and understood. Um, so, uh, yeah, I guess I'd be afraid. 
I'm always afraid. <laughs> Sarah, when I interviewed Miriam Taves, uh, she said Salome's voice is the one that came to her most clearly. For you in the adaptation, which voice came to you very clearly and which one took a little extra work? I think I would I would say the same as Miriam. I think Salome is the one that's easiest to grasp at first because it's as Miriam said in her interview with you, it's initially your first response to this is is one of of such anger and, and grief that expresses itself as anger. But ultimately, and I think I found Ona the the hardest to write in so many ways, but ultimately kind of the one where by the end of this process, I probably connected most with Ona's voice. I found Marika the most exciting character to write, but has, you know, Jesse's character has the furthest to travel. Mm. Um, and she goes, she is so transformed through this conversation and ultimately kind of leads the way at the end. So I, I found them all challenging in certain respects. And also I found it interesting. We all talked about this, how we had sort of a metamorphosis from one character's point of view to another, or we were like, you know, I'm a Salome, you know, star sign, but with an Ona rising <laughs> or, you know, or Ona aspirations, like we would sort of cast ourselves in the world. <laughs> My guests are Sarah Polly and Jesse Buckley. We are talking about the film women talking. I was really interested in, in the the look of the film. And I read in an interview, Sarah, and uh, please correct me if I'm wrong, because you know, the internet, um, that you were inspired by the color palette of a photographer mm-hmm. that you like. Who is the photographer? And what was it about the palette that you thought this could be really useful in telling the stories in women talking? Sure. So the the photographer is Larry Tull, and he's he's done the most amazing. He's an incredible photographer generally, but mm-hmm. he has this incredible series on Mennonites. Um, and they're some of my favorite photographs I've ever seen. And I I saw them long before, um, before I read Miriam's book. And I wouldn't say the palette was inspired by his photographs, but a lot of the image imagery did inspire mm-hmm. images in the film. In terms of the color palette, we did desaturate by about seventy five percent. We had this idea of wanting this idea of this faded postcard of a world that's already passed. So even by the very act of having this conversation, these women are already consigning the world they live in to the past. It's it's such a brave and transformative thing to have this conversation. So the idea is we're kind of looking back at something and the voiceover is a voice from the future. Mm-hmm. So, Jesse, Marike is often physically apart from the other women. She kind of has her back turned. She has a very specific kind of body language, especially in the beginning. Uh, I was wondering what your conversations with Sarah were like about the physicality of your character, especially in the beginning. I always, uh, with Marike, she felt like a bit like an armadillo, you know, just somebody who had this hard shell on the outside and um, and was kind of terrified desperate to belong but terrified of being that vulnerable because she's been somebody who's had to survive every day and if you ever show any kind of vulnerability Hmm. who knows where that might lead um uh and yeah i guess we did we spoke we spoke kind of over email we spoke constantly throughout filming you know like compared to any kind of acting experience this wasn't something where you would all kind of, you know, you would go and, well, you never really want to do that, but like you would go and mm-hmm. kind of do your performance. <laughs> <laughs> we all kind of, 
we were working with such incredible people. And I guess with Marike, especially, I didn't want to judge her too much sure. because I wanted to get to know her. And you could just really stand in front of all these incredible people like Claire and Ben and Rooney and Sheila and Judith and Kate and all of them and be changed in real time. And little by little, this kind of armadillo shed its skin and by the end could kind of be held and hold and love in a way that she probably never had been allowed to. Sarah, so much of the film is about forgiveness, whether these men should be forgiven, whether women can forgive men. Can you force forgiveness? Um, Let's listen to a clip from Women Talking and we can talk about it on the other side. It is a part of our faith to forgive. We have always forgiven those who have wronged us. Why not now? Because now we know better. We will be excommunicated, forced to leave the colony in disgrace if we do not forgive these men. And if we are excommunicated, we forfeit our place in heaven. How could any of you live with the fear of that? These are legitimate fears. How can we address them? The only important thing to establish is if we forgive the men so that we will be allowed to enter the gates of heaven. You can laugh all you like, Salome, but we will be forced to leave the colony if we don't forgive the men. How will Lord, when he arrives, find the women if we aren't in the colony? Jesus is able to return to life, live for thousands of years, and then drop down to earth from heaven to scoop up his supporters. Surely he'd also be able to locate a few women Let's who left their colony. Let's stay on track. All right, I'll stay on track. I cannot forgive them. I will never forgive them. That is from Women Talking. My guests are Sarah Polly and Jesse Buckley. Sarah, what did you want to explore about forgiveness, possibly the limits of forgiveness? I mean, I think Miriam asks so many interesting questions in her book about forgiveness. And for me, I mean, throughout the course of this film, I think the meaning of forgiveness changes. So I think at first in the clip we just heard, it's introduced as an almost simplistic notion that we can just jump ahead, do no work and forgive when harm is still ongoing. And I think what the women ultimately unpack throughout the course of this film is the idea that if for forgiveness to be meaningful, there might be quite a process in getting there. Part of that might be getting out of harm's way. Mm -hmm. Part of that may be looking towards what kind of distance you need to create between yourself and that harm before, um, before forgiveness is truly possible and not just misinterpreted as permission for the harm to be ongoing. So I think what's been really interesting was is looking at this idea of forgiveness, which I'm very intrigued by and very compelled by, and addressing the complicated nature of it. What does Marike feel about forgiveness, Jesse? Um, I guess, I guess for her, it's kind of, I mean, there's, I, I, there's so much mm. she has to come to, to terms with in, in actually acknowledging that it's not okay to forgive when you're hurt um, physically mm-hmm. and um, you can't just give that away, you know. And I guess there's that beautiful moment between her and her mother where her mother says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And actually the chain of um, allowing a certain kind of violence to continue, which between women is something that is an unspoken thing. And to be able to accept that apology and to forgive that and really allow that to kind of cut a, a, a chain of a kind of, I call them 
like stone women, you know, these kind of women mm-hmm. who've been able to kind of keep their barriers up because they've been too afraid to, um, yeah, say sorry or to acknowledge the things between each other. Sorry, heard- my phone was going during that. That's okay. Somebody's calling to tell you, hey, you're on the radio. You're on. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we heard it in that clip and, and earlier that Marque, Marque and um, Salome, who is played by Claire Foy, they really get at each other. There's something about the other that really grates on them each. When you think about your character, why is that, Jesse? What is, what is behind that conflict? Well, I think there's a lot of them that's quite alike. You know, I, I think... Claire has the um, rage that uh, the external rage that Marike has internalized. And in a way, um, Claire's passion and ability to have some sort of chaotic and, you know, agency with where where she has this, um, this emotion is now on the outside of her skin. And, and in some ways, I guess the thing that was so interesting about this project was actually to explore the complexities of female relationships, you mm-hmm. know, our kind of base nature is sometimes to nurture, but actually where the growth really comes from is from the conflict that and these kind of different heightened perspectives of a similar experience in life. And um, yeah, I guess, I guess we both kind of got under each other's skin so that we could kind of, I don't know, what do you think, Sarah? I don't know. I never know what the hell is going on on set. I'm going to be completely <laughs> I like if someone is like, I, I can hardly remember what happened two seconds ago, you know, and you don't really want to know what's going on. You just want to like be yeah. it. And then somebody be like, that was great. And you're like, no idea what happened. Or, um, so I think that's a better question for Sarah. <laughs> you did just fine. I was saying that's things. Great. I think you did just fine. My guests are Sarah Polly and actor Jesse Buckley. We're talking about women talking. Stay with us. We'll have more after a quick break. This is all of it. This is all of it on WNYC. I'm Allison Stewart. My guest this hour, Sarah Polly, the writer and director of Women Talking, as well as actor Jesse Buckley. So, so much of this film is about the different ways people cope with trauma, Sarah. And uh, you know, some women are angry, some have panic attacks, some have internalized it, some have gotten hard or tried to be hard, like Marike. Um, what was something that you read or learned uh, about trauma that helped you make this film? So the first thing that, I mean, one of the things that I love about Miriam's book is there are so many different responses to the same set of events and no one is more valid than the other. Mm. And I love sort of, democracy of that and the equality of that. One thing I learned about trauma very recently that I found really helpful in the making of this film is that the thing about trauma is it's always just about to happen. So if you've had trauma, what the experience of that is and how it manifests if you are traumatized and there hasn't been a recovery process is that thing that happened to you, some part of you subconsciously always believes it's on the verge of happening again Mm. right now. That's what the experience of being in trauma is. I found that enormously helpful, both in my personal life and in understanding the characters in this film, is that what they're dealing with isn't something that happened. It's something that might happen again in seconds, whether that's the reality or not. In their case, it is the reality. In the case of a lot of people walking around, it's a kind of subconscious sense. 
Jesse, before the break, you were describing what it was like to be in the moment, doing your job as an actor, inhabiting a, a character. Um, you have to have rehearsal. I guess you have to have rehearsal before that. Some people do. Some people don't. What was the rehearsal process like? Um, well, we it was in the middle of COVID, first of all. Um, so we once we'd arrived in Toronto, we had um, two weeks of rehearsals kind mm -hmm. of mapped out. And the first week was on Zoom, which is really weird. <laughs> <laughs> but it was useful to kind of, I guess, just to talk, you know, and to kind of get to know each other's families and the different kind of dynamics that might appear as we got into kind mm -hmm. of shooting it. And then we had a second week where we were, where we were allowed to go on set and go into the hayloft, and um, but it was still COVID, so we had masks and visors and um, and as an actor, it was like, oh my god, this is really weird. Like I can only see somebody's eyes. Like what's happening beneath? Mm -hmm. like, how how am I going to do this? <laughs> and you're about to kind of, I mean, it was it was rich. Like it was such a huge canvas you know it was mm -hmm. it almost felt like we were speaking a foreign language because the language that was there was something I, and people keep saying you know this is like a theater it could be a theater mm -hmm. piece in some ways and I've been thinking about that a lot I just like did a piece of theater and the thing about theater is that you have those intense relationships with an audience like an intense you could meet one person in the audience and feel like you've had you could fall in love or broken up or something, but you equally are sharing to 1500 people. And I think with this piece is that actually you're, you're exploring the most intense, immediate, you know, cataclysmically changing relationships. But the context of it was so much broader. It was like beyond the bounds of that halo. What we were discussing was way bigger than anything that we could actually contain or articulate or be objective about as people or as actors in that situation so I think in a way to act it, it it allowed you to just stand and step into the water of it and um be taken and when you get to work with such incredible people like we did on this job mm -hmm. it was a thrill like you never knew where you're going to go and in real time you were being changed by people in that hayloft Sarah I understand that you were able to have a certain limitation on hours of the days, on, on shoot days, so that you could have time with your family. Um, how did having sort of those limitations and, and also just time with your time to be with your people, <laughs> your people people, mm -hmm. um, how did it affect the film and how did it felt, affect how you worked as a director? I mean, I don't think I would have come back to directing if I hadn't been able to work shorter hours. And by shorter hours, I mean 10-hour days. They're still long days yeah. compared to most people's jobs. Um, so I think the industry standards of, you know, 15 to 17-hour hour days, at least in North America, are so absurd. Um, so it, I think in general, the idea was to create a safe, healthy, nurturing working environment. You can't do that if people are not able to see their loved ones, people who they have caregiving responsibilities for, whether that be parents or kids or a dog, or people have to have some access to their connections and their lives. And I think in terms of creating a space at work where people felt like they could take risks and they could be daring and could be brave, I think feeling taken care of was a really big part of that. So while we probably weren't always successful, I, we put a lot of energy into trying to make sure 
we had a working environment that felt healthy. Have either of you gotten to see the film in a theater with with human yeah. with normal human civilians, not just <laughs> industry peeps? Yeah. What is, what yeah. have you have observed or even heard? Um, I think lots of things. <laughs> you know, I think one of the you know what what you always hope for it doesn't always happen is that it genuinely affects people mm. whether that means that it starts a conversation or a debate or emotionally you know connects something to someone that they haven't really had time to do or mm-hmm. haven't wanted to do and um and also one of the most inspiring and beautiful things about this is to hear the younger women in this and the younger actresses whose first job it was baby at the age of 17 18 to be able to articulate and know things um and to want things and expect more from the world that they're stepping out into having had this experience in this film um and it's been so inspiring and beautiful to see these young women do that and kind of fly that flag like that's just the best. The name of the film is Women Talking. I've been speaking with its director and writer Sarah Polly and Jessica Jesse Buckley. I want to also point out that Sarah has a, a book out, a memoir called Run Towards the Danger: Confrontations with a Body of Memory after she had a, a pretty traumatic concussion. And Jesse, last time you were here, you were sitting right across from me in the before times um, for Wild Rose. And for people who don't know, Jesse Buckley has an amazing singing voice, has been in Cabaret, released an album earlier this year. So we went back in the archives and we dug up the performance that you oh, did. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. So let's listen to Jesse. Uh, no. This is Glasgow No Place Like Home. Let's take a listen. Yeah. <laughs> I've worn out the stones in front of your doorstep. Coming and going, coming and going You kept the lights on, I always knew that I should have said thank you a thousand miles ago But I pushed you away, put a pin in a map And then I got lost in the storm had to find my way, make my own mistakes, but you know that I had to go. Ain't no yellow brick road running through Glasgow, but I found one that's stronger than stone. Ain't no place like. She's good, isn't she, Sarah? She's so good, I kind of want to lie and say she sings in our movies so people will come. (laughs) There's all these musical numbers. It's just Jesse singing. Jesse Buckley (laughs) and Sarah Polly, thanks a lot. Thank you. That was my conversation with actor Jesse Buckley and writer and director Sarah Pauly about their film. We've been talking. It's been nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. And Sarah Pauly is up for Best Adapted Screenplay. WNYC Studios is brought to you by Zbiotics. Seize the day after a night of drinks with Zbiotics Pre-Alcohol Probiotic Drink. 
Z-Biotics was invented by PhD scientists to break down the byproduct of alcohol, which is most responsible for making you feel crummy the next day. Drink Z-Biotics before your first drink, drink responsibly, and you'll wake up refreshed and ready to take on the day. Try it for yourself at zbiotics.com/wnyc and get 15% off your first order when you use WNYC at checkout. That's zbiotics.com/wnyc and use the code WNYC at checkout for 15% off.